This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I break down the surprising yet short-lived fight with Lodge leader Estovian Lazarov, introduce a new segment, Backup Roulette, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, 15.3 miles away from the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in The Zone of Truth. And we're back. Yeah, man. Back for another one-on-one ZMT. Yeah, the, the response from the listeners was so overwhelming. They don't they don't want guests. They just want us. Fuck guests. No guests. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said that. Nope. Yeah, they were like, please get some more good people on the show. And we're like, no. <laughs> nah, they need sorry. to earn it. All right, Griff. Let's get it started. What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a Platform Seltzer Project watermelon cucumber. Not my favorite, but there was a six pack of these in the in the liquor cabinet. I was uh, rummaging around in the liquor cabinet earlier today, Ooh. and so I found them. I figured uh, I may as well drink them because I don't really have much left. Now you now. said the the Platform Seltzers. You're not much of a fan on. Have you tried this flavor yet? Yeah, I think you and I bought oh, these. Maybe. I definitely remember blind buying platform ago. with you and not being thrilled about it. I mean, you know, it's not our favorite when like there's a six pack left six months. That just later. doesn't happen. <laughs> it does not happen. No, it's it's a it's a logical fallacy. I mean, you put put alcohol in any of our houses and it gets drank. Of course. Um, as for myself, I'm drinking a new beer that I found from BrewDog. It's called a Full Force Fog Machine. Um, it says in giant letters, East Coast Crush. I don't know what that means. But then it says New England Style IPA. So I'm going to give this a shot. I generally like their beers and their IPA, uh, IPAs are pretty decent. So let's give it a shot. Oh, that's nice. That's pretty light. Nice. I think that's a good entry IPA for somebody who's not really accustomed to the bittery taste. Like, it's not too strong, but it's got a nice, like, pop of flavor. I like it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Speaking of a pop of flavor, I'm going to I'm gonna pop some uh, Sirenscape into this right about here. Editing Griff, do your thing. Ah, I love this track. Oh, what a track. What a banger. Uh, takes me back. Absolute throwdown banger. Griff, times is busy right now with the HLP. Would yeah. you Would you not agree? Oh, I would agree. <laughs> I think uh, busier times have not been had. Uh, yeah, uh, that's probably about true. Um, and and so I just wanted to to clear the air with everybody. We gotta have some housekeeping. Let let people know what's been going on in our lives. Obviously, episode 100's coming up. It's been taking up a whole lot of our time. And it's in the bank, which is very exciting. But we're not talking about that yeah, today. Yeah, get ready. We are- Three parts, though. Oh, yeah. Um, I, guess, I guess that's a reveal for the people that don't know. I, it's unedited right now, but how long do you think it's going to come out to across those three parts? Uh, I think probably just shy of six hours. 
<laughs> oh, future me is really going to enjoy editing that. Yeah, I don't. Th- that's not going to be a fun one, dude. That is not going to be a fun one. But I think it's going to be worth it. Um, do you want to let the people... And this is not a leading question. The answer very well could be no. Now that we're probably about two weeks away from this thing, when this drops, do you want to let people know what episode 100 will be? Obviously not any sort of plot points, but are we doing something different? Are we doing more of the regular show? And you could keep us all under wraps. Just throwing that out there. Uh, we did something different in terms of people's 100th episode in, in this TTRPG realm. Not that uh, many people in the Paizoverse at least have, have gotten there. I think, I think um, you could just do anything at this point and be different. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but we stuck with the main show. So um, unlike going off on a side thing, we really just focused in, got the story to a really cool spot in 99, and um, now we're going to rock and roll with it. Yeah, we've been, we've been driving for it for a while, and we weren't sure if we were going to be at the right spot for it, but we got to the perfect spot, and it is six hours of the original HLP flagship story on effing steroids. It's nuts. Yeah, man. Yes. Yeah, I would say it's... Uh, these episodes have been ramping up slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ramping up even even in the sense that cl- you're climbing stairs. Oh, wow. <laughs> in this yes. latest one. Well done. Um, and I think this is the culmination of all of that. So I'm, I'm excited for it to drop. Yeah. And, and you know, episode 100 super hype. But I'm also really excited to hear what people think about 98 and 99. In particular, those two episodes were two of my favorites in a very, very long time. Uh, so don't think that this hype is all that's in front of you guys. The next couple episodes are absolute bangers. I can guarantee that. But... Absolutely. But with um, with episode 100 being as big and blasty as it is, um, we're, we also got another announcement to make. Also got another announcement, and that is that for the second time, we are going to be augmenting the release schedule of Zone of Truth. This is just going to be another one-time only thing. However... We got the entire crew on for the episode that was originally supposed to drop on the uh, July the 6th. So that's two Mondays from now if you're listening on release date. And we pushed that back to July 9th to drop as soon as episode 100 drops. Listen to episode 100 and then you can immediately jump into this new episode of The Zone of Truth to hear everyone's reactions. We recorded it two days after. Um, the big climactic uh, episode 100 and I think there's some really good stuff in that little interview is this the first time we've recorded Zone of Truth out of order I believe so it it's it's it it's hard for <laughs> me to it. to say yes or no because we we've had some weird ones you know we recorded with your dad on your old kitchen table um, Wheeler woe with the uh, um, up in Seattle last year and Jason and Indy, but I think those were all still in order, even though that they were out of our comfort zone. Yeah, I think they still came out. They came out when they were supposed yeah. to. 
So yeah, this this is really strange. We talk about a lot of stuff in uh, episode 37 of ZOT that we cannot talk about today, but that's fine because we got plenty of other things to talk about. Um, continuing with the housekeeping, though, um, Griff, you've been doing or you just kicked off something with some friends of ours um, that just debuted the other night. And would you like to tell the folks at home about it? Yeah, um, we kicked off a show called GM Happy Hour. It's with me, uh, Adam from Southern Tom Foolery, Tyler from MinMaxed, and Allard from The Dice Crisis. Uh, four GMs, talk and shop. Uh, we streamed it. So this past Tuesday, we streamed it. We plan on doing them. Uh, we, we don't have like a set schedule, but we're thinking probably monthly. Uh, but the cool thing is it was all recorded. And so while it was live on the Discord and you can catch the next one live on one of our Discords, we're kind of taking turns hosting it. Uh, but the recording can be found on YouTube. I think as of the airing of this episode, it should be up. I think our YouTube is going to be just called GM Happy Hour. Um, but I'll toss a link to it in the Discord and on social media once we actually have it up. I might even be able to toss it into the notes of this episode if we get it up. For in sure, time. for sure. I'm pretty excited for it. It was fun. Uh, we, for this first one, we just kind of talked about who we are, our gaming experience, got into a couple of GM topics, answered some live questions. It was, uh, it was pretty chill, but uh, a lot of Yeah, fun. there was a, a good presence from the community there. There was a whole bunch of people tuning into it live. Um, I was there myself. I was, uh, I had it on in the background and I was uh, playing some video games and every once in a while I would pop in the chat to say something uh, or type something in there. Um, but it was it was a great discussion. It was really cool to, um, of course, we've had plenty of experience talking with Adam, Tyler, um, and uh, and Allard individually. But to get you guys all together, and you guys each do come at all of this from a little bit of a different place and perspective, uh, just to see you guys kind of bounce stuff off each other and talk about how you guys do stuff differently, how you came to gaming in different ways. It was a very fun discussion, and if you did not have the pleasure of catching that live i would certainly suggest catching it on youtube because it was a lot of fun it was very cool and then hey yeah, man thanks i was i was there the whole time it was great it was a it was a nice conversation and you represented us well and i got some good shout outs so that was important just stroke my ego we'll be fine um the last bit of housekeeping for those of you that want to hear more stuff like this, just Griff and I chatting with each other or different folks, uh, Griff and I actually guested on an upcoming episode of Southern Tom Foolery's behind the scenes uh, show called STFU. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to drop yet, but just keep refreshing that um, that feed from Southern Tom Foolery and you'll hear more about us. It was a, that was also a very good conversation. Yeah, I'm, pretty sure it uh airs wednesday after oh, this great. airs so uh check the feed in two days after you listen to this if you're listening to it on release date and if, and if it doesn't drop two days after this bother the shit out of those guys yeah then it's their fault and i i was totally right i was totally right and i knew what it would drop and uh they're late absolutely bother it on them. get it out there <laughs> if you want to hear more of this i promise uh but Griff, I think I think that pretty much concludes our housekeeping. Nothing else really out there. I just thought it was important to get those things out on the table because, I, like I said, business is booming, baby. 
we're busy. So, as we have been doing in the last several weeks, um, I just want to go back and forth between the two of us and just catch up with you, bud. So this is for our quarantine update section. What have you been doing to say staying at home? Well, I uh, I might take a Uh-oh. decent amount of flack for this, uh, and I don't think it's I don't think it's something that I'm coming to the community uh, with as a recommendation. I guarantee you, ninety eight percent of you have already seen this, uh, but I haven't seen past season one of Avatar: The Last Airbender. So I've been watching that on Netflix now that it's on Netflix, uh, really enjoying it. And I don't think it was ever a knock to the show that I didn't watch it. I just think I missed when it was live Mm -hmm. or or a week to week show. And I just never went back to, to watch it. It never caught me, I guess. And I've heard that the later seasons are really, really good. So I'm excited, but, um, it's not something that I, I can really recommend because I think most people have probably already watched it. I mean, if you haven't, you should I haven't. Uh, take, a, take, a, take a page for me and, and watch it because it's one of the best um, animated shows around. And, and you were telling me before we went live that what really got you back into the series was the M. Night Shyamalan movie, correct? <laughs> yeah, I really like that uh, slow combat and, um, you know, it not being very true to source. Nice. That those are those are two of the greatest parts of it. Is that one we should do for a bad movie night? I've I've heard it's it it falls in 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 the bad movie catalog, but I'm not sure if it's good bad or bad bad. I've heard from a lot of people it's bad bad. Yeah. I I think we recommended it once, or, or we said we would watch it once, and a lot of people were like, "No, that's like too far." <laughs> <laughs> It's bad when the people that you watch bad movies with are like, no, you cannot watch that. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a telling thing when uh, movies such as Lady in the Water are rated twice as good. Oh, no. The rest of M. Night Shyamalan's uh, catalog is, that is true? Uh, at least double the rating. Oh, yeah, Avatar's got like... I mean, I'd have to look up how many stars it has, but I think it's like a two-star movie or something on IMDb. We're going to have to do an entire Zone of Truth about that M. Night Shyamalan catalog, because there is some good material in there. The M. Night Shyamalan-verse? Oh my god, yeah. The Happening, The Village, Lady in the Water, come on. The best stuff. Yeah, I mean, Devil? Ooh, boy unpopular opinion i kind of enjoyed that but it was also in the, <laughs> but i was also at like 16 at the time so maybe i didn't or maybe i wouldn't if i watched it again today there's only one way to find out yeah i i mean signs signs was a oh boy a dude that messed me up when i was a kid messed me up real bad <laughs> me too yeah i uh i watched it i had a I have a fond memory. I had a buddy over for a sleepover, but um, my parents had hired a babysitter, and I, I don't, we we were probably mm-hmm. nine or ten when Signs came out, and we watched it, and it freaked us both the fuck out. And God bless that babysitter because uh, you know my parents <laughs> my parents put him in the worst possible situation. Like, oh yeah, our kids having a friend over, <laughs> and they totally want to watch this horror movie. Yeah, I don't know, man. That was 
that's another one I'd like to revisit. Um, I wonder if it holds up at all, but I just, I've, I've never been scared of aliens. And they're, they're the bad guys in that movie. Um, never had before that mm. and certainly haven't after. But just the way it was set up, maybe my, my little kid brain wasn't ready for it. But that really messed me up where he's got the, the knife trying to look under the door. And then there's some sort of uh, jump scare and he chops the fingers off. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's 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 a strange setup that movie because it's you can't really tell if it's trying to if it's initially trying to be like a aliens are here to be your friends or these are evil aliens. It's not really clear at first and then it yes. becomes clear. <laughs> and then they get defeated by water. Yeah, I mean easy solution. Easy solution. The other uh the video game I've been playing is um, the Pokemon Sword and Shield expansion just came out, so I'm playing that. It's got a whole new mm-hmm. wild area, which I know you have no nope. idea about, Steve, but um, it's a it's a cool expansion. Like Pokemon can follow you now, but only in that wild area. I don't know. Nintendo made some choices. Game Freak made some choices, realistically, but. Um, Still, it's Pokemon. Do so they add new monsters right now. with the expansion? There's like two truly new ones, but everyone was all up in arms about the new games, uh, me included, because they didn't include the full roster mm. of Pokemon. And, uh, and they've never done that before. Every game you've at least been able to trade Pokemon up from the older games or something in order to get every Pokemon that's ever been released. This one like didn't even have some of the old ones in its code. So I think the expansion adds like a hundred to 130 or something um, oh. old ones back in. So it's like a step in the right direction, but still not all the Pokemon are in the game. Hmm. So hmm. I don't know. It's a cash grab that I'm buying into. I was just I, about I to ask that. if you had to Don't pay for me. it. I've got, I've got some thoughts on that model, yeah. but I'll keep them to myself. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. How about you? Well, the, thanks for asking, man. I also spent probably too much money on video games lately. On the Xbox Live Marketplace lately, there was a sale on Assassin's Creed games, and I went hog wild. I bought... What did I buy? I bought Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered, which included Assassin's Creed Liberation. So I replayed 3, and uh, I don't know. Some of those landscapes looked better, but uh, the character <laughs> models in the combat was were still really bad. So I don't know what, what they did besides pretty up the, the woods a little bit. Um, that was nice to, to revisit. I never played Liberation before. I think that was like a download exclusive back in the 360 days. I'm playing through it right now. It's freaking great. They're in New Orleans. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You go in the swamp and fight gators Classic. and shit. Um, then I also picked up uh, Assassin's Creed 4, which was probably my favorite. That's the pirate one. I picked up Odyssey, which is the brand new one, for like 25 bucks with all the DLC, which is a great deal. Um, and then I also picked up the... Jesus. The, the season pass, so all the DLC for Syndicate, which is like the turn-of-the-century London one. So I got a lot of Assassin's Creed to play. Yeah, you did. But I really like those games. I'm a kind of a sucker for them. A lot of them are kind of cookie cutter, especially in like the middle of the life cycle of those games. But man, there's something about them. I can just turn my brain off and just do parkour. 
That's all. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if these are available at the time of release of this. Which you know, if you didn't get on them and they're not available, is a shame. I think the humble bundle one might be. Um, the humble bundle one might still be available. But there's like there was a huge pack on um, itch.io um, for. It, it's like it was like the bundle for equality, which mm-hmm. the proceeds. I think it raised. If it's still going on, it's still raising money. But last time I checked, it was like seven million dollars for um, I think like the bail project and something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and Humble Bundle is doing a similar one, and that one might actually still be up. Uh, same same idea. All of the proceeds are going to um, various charities to support. Um, both the protests and just Black Lives Matter in general. Um, and there are so many games in those. Yeah, dude. Like, I, I didn't pick it up myself, but I saw on our Discord, um, Tyler from MinMaxed said that he downloaded that first. I don't think it was the Humble Bundle one. It was whatever the other one you described. Um, but he downloaded it and spent something like two or three hours just arranging the files. And that was just the yeah. TTRPG content, let, mm-hmm. n- let alone all the video games that were in it. Oh, like, I didn't know video games were in there too. Yeah, yeah, it was... That first one, I think, had like 30 or 40 video games, and the Humble Bundle one has 20-something, I think. And the Humble Bundle one actually comes with the PDF of the Starfinder Core cool rulebook, which is cool. Nice! Uh, so, yeah, those are well worth it. And, and you know, even if you don't have a ton of money to spend, I think the buy-in on them was only, like, 10 for the itch.io and 30 for the Humble Bundle one, which is, like, one of the games in the pack is usually worth that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an insane value, let alone supporting uh, good causes. So um, I bought into both of those and have a huge library of games I need to start playing. So now we've got like a couple thousand different TTRPG systems to fill uh, side material for this uh, this this network on. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking like, because I think all of the GMs from GM Happy Hour bought it, and I was oh, thinking like a, a cool segment of that would be because we're all Paizo GMs would be us looking at maybe not playing but like reading through one of the one of the TTRPGs that, that comes in the pack and just like talking about it and how we would run it or whatever. It might be fun. Have you run this by the other GMs or is this your backdoor way to, just to introduce this we did, segment? We did, okay. we did talk about it. We did talk like, about it. Just, Griff, this is pretty, uh, this is pretty backstabby right now. Pretty underhanded here's, right now. Here's what we should do on the show. I'm going to stand on my soapbox <laughs> and say what we should do. No, we, we, we talked about that concept. They, they liked it. That's awesome. Would you run them for each other or like guests or something? I don't know that we'd run them. I think I think oh, just it would talk, be fun just like to it'd be fun to like yeah, it'd be fun to read them and then just like talk the mechanics. I mean, it'd be fun to run them too, but that probably mm-hmm. wouldn't fall under like the yeah. theme of the GM happy hour. But yeah, it'd be cool to run them as well. Yeah, I, people were posting all about it in our Discord. There are some crazy ass systems in there. Oh yeah, crazy, some interesting stuff. Yep. All right. How about we get into the meat of this episode? How does that sound? Sure. Okay. So yesterday morning, I re-listened to the Estovian fight. It was a fairly quick one, um, but I think there's some good stuff there. 
Estovian was a guy that I implicitly trusted immediately. And that was a big mistake. So off air, um, you mentioned to me that there was some sort of suspicion or paranoia mechanic at the lodge that we completely blew right away um, before this Estovian fight. Do you want to kind of add a little color to that and and let uh, let me know what we missed out on? Sure. Uh, You didn't really miss out on a ton, uh, but this goes hand in hand with how quickly you guys solved, in air quotes, the murder mystery (laughs) of of book three. Uh, Stovian did have a paranoia mechanic, like paranoia points that he builds if you do certain things while you're at the lodge and he he starts suspicious of you because of your connection to the esoteric order of the Palatine Eye. He thinks like they're after him because he has this connection to the Whispering Way. And so the fact that you came in and immediately were like, oh, I'm looking for books on the Whispering Way, (laughs) uh, really like blew that out of the water it, it was it was really based on like things you do while you're investigating. He can get tipped off, like what you're looking for and and what you're doing, and mm-hmm. it can it can raise his suspicion of you. And the mechanic was that once he reaches a certain level, an event happens that he triggers. So the first thing he triggered was that um, that spider combat. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that happens when he's starting to get suspicious of you, and then he has Bellic go and rifle through your shit while you're while you're occupied. Yep. So so he can try and find out more information about you. It's it'd be like one of those scenarios where if you actually left some of your stuff in the room, he'd be digging through journals and that kind of stuff and know more about you. And then eventually, because he has can. Well, semi control over the Vilcasis, that werewolf spirit. Eventually, he gets so paranoid that he tries to get you killed off by it. And so he can't directly control it, but he can summon it and kind of like point it in a direction. So that's how Silas end up die- ended up dying because he's in the room next mm-hmm. to you. And it just, you know, it, it possesses Corvin and then has him attack Silas. So what would have happened if you didn't immediately head to the stairs of the moon because you had all the information was that until you solved that Estovian was the one behind it, things would have, like, that spirit would have kept coming and possessing Corvin if you didn't figure out that Corvin killed him the first night um, or showing up and possessing other people. And so it makes the murder mystery a little bit difficult because, like, everybody has an alibi and like if you question Corvin he his alibi would have been like well I got like blackout drunk on absinthe and I don't remember anything and so that would raise suspicion towards him and that's kind of a red herring because he has no control over himself when that happens yeah so it's uh it's an interesting thing that um that we missed out on a little bit I'm not I'm not overly upset over it because I think there were a lot of good moments where the suspicion and paranoia was still high. Like uh, what comes to mind is the almost standoff between Estovian and Matumbe in the oh, hallway. Oh boy. 
where where it's like there's some very like backhanded shit coming back and forth, and you're both trying to like cover some up of my best RP of all things. time. I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't go that far, but it was uh, it was certainly like based off of him pulling all the strings, and so he's you know he's being a little threatening, he's being a little cryptic, he's um, he's using. You know, Bellic primarily, but some of the other people to further his plot, and it helps that in the background he kind of has like blackmail type information on a lot of the mm-hmm. guests because he just like makes it a habit of gathering information on people, and so he can really manipulate a lot of people if if that mystery gets prolonged. So it's. It's an interesting mechanic for sure, or something. Well, that I don't do this often on. on on the Zone of Truth, but I gotta give you kudos. You did a really good job of putting together a person. I'm not gonna say personality. That immediately, I was like, this guy's kind of like a a well-meaning person who's a little oblivious as to what's truly going on here. I think a lot of what did it for me was the voice and and the voice and the vocal mannerisms that just threw me off. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it was, it was, uh, by the time we were done at the lodge, I knew, obviously we knew something was up with them, but, um, but for the vast majority of the time, I think I, and I would like to speak for the rest of the cast. I'm not sure that I can, but I think basically the rest of them were in the dark too. I mean, so far as when we're walking around trying to investigate, um, after the spider attack, we let Estovian go back upstairs and go check on folks. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like he was there the whole time. And I think a lot of things he did and stuff that I kind of threw in there, like the um, like the guest log, like that doesn't really exist, but it, it gave you some information. And it was also a way of him gaining your trust a little bit. And he kind of had an out when he said, oh, I need... You know, I need Bellic to get it in order mm-hmm. for me, and then I'll give it to you this evening. It gave him time to edit anything that um, that was glaringly incriminating, while leaving some stuff so that you guys had uh, some leads that probably took yep. you in a direction that wasn't him. I think he he deflects a lot to Bellic, and you guys were probably left well, definitely left thinking at the end of that like Bellic's the bad guy in the lodge for the most part because you learned that he like hired everybody and manipulated posse into doing stuff and so in reality like I, I went Estovian a full 100 percent <laughs> 360 on on Bellic where immediately this guy sucks he's a bad guy he's evil full that's way too obvious it can't be him and then all the way around where I'm like Maybe they want me to think that it's too obvious and it's meta, so it actually is him. <laughs> that meta storytelling Paizo is known for. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk about the Estovian fight a little bit. I'm going to break it down, and then I've got some questions for that. Um, so yeah. weirdly enough, I felt the setup for this was a little strange. We're only about partway up the tower, and we're on one big floor, 
and we really have to search for this room to find what feels like a boss, like a concluding part of this adventure, or at least this segment of the adventure. Like, it, it, there was perception checks, stone cunning, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm curious about that, but we'll get back to that in a second. The fight, I, I, I got some notes here, basically it breaks down like this. Symbol of pain kicks off, Matumbe and, and Freya get affected right away. Black tentacles appear, um, nothing really works against them. Dispel, burst bond, CMB checks. Uh, we even had a lead blade spell from, from Haley that fails because of concentration. Uh, Estovian loses the high level summon when Eclipse gets free with the help of the Lopper. He gets his lightning off, but it's not before Eclipse can just absolutely murk his shit. So, let's start basic. I don't, and I don't have this written in the in the agenda. But why was he in that weird corner room off by himself? Uh, he was trying to hide. Mm. So he fled to the stairs of the moon to try and get Mathis's help. Was attacked by werewolves, and he is one of the only people that knows of that secret okay. room. That's where he found the spirit, the Vilcasis, uh, that. Like the the spirit gem was in that room. That was, I don't know how well described it was, but it was kind of the room where, um, where like that that you kind of read about that like priest of Desna was trying to cure his son of lycanthropy, mm -hmm. and so there was all that experimental stuff and like the silver um, surgi surgical tools and all of the wolfsbane and stuff. But the spirit, the the kid dies, and the spirit manifests itself into that spirit gem and Estovian finds it so he's like been to the stairs of the moon before mm -hmm. and that place is like the only place he knows werewolves don't go sure so he gets bit he retreats further into the building instead of trying to you know backtrack through the woods and probably die and he hides in the only room he knows he's going to be safe and sets up that um, symbol of pain. Absolutely. Just in case. So, yeah, that's that's why he's there. He, he knows of the place and knows he would be safe in that room. Makes sense to me. And I think you kind of answered my question, my next question in a um, off-kilter way here. Estovian had a bite on his arm. I, I, I asked in the notes, what's up with that? Was that just... Um, he ran into one of the competing clans or maybe even a Morjanok that really didn't know who he was. Just kind of a random thing they threw in there. Yep. Exactly. He just, he, he gets bit, but he hasn't okay. turned yet. Cause yeah, we had, we had done combat after combat and had combats after this in episode 97, where we were fighting werewolf after werewolf after werewolf. And this guy who is aligned yep. with the whispering way, who is also aligned with Morjanoks has a bite on his arm. I figured he would have already been a werewolf, but that was me making assumptions. Yep, he was not a werewolf prior, but gets caught up in the combat outside and gets mm. bit. So we saved him from being a wolf. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> Call it that. All right. Sa saved him with death. Yeah, it's a roundabout way of saving someone. Um, you want to talk to me a little bit about the Estovian build? What is he? Yeah, he is. Uh, he's an 
Aristocrat 3, Conjurer 7. So um, he's a 10th level character, but he has some of those NPC classes that make him kind of weaker. Um, and again, like Aristocrat and Conjurer don't have a ton of yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ice. Their, their hit dice are like a D6 and a D8. So he's sitting on 65 health. I think I mentioned before which is not great. His AC was buffed to 25 because he had a couple of um, a couple of spells like shield and um, mage mm-hmm. armor on. But realistically, he can cast up to fourth level spells. He did so with the Black Tentacles. He was then going to do so with Summon Monster 4, but that got disrupted. He's got Charm Monster, which uh, could have been useful. But I think in a combat with four party members, a charm spell doesn't usually work well. A dominate spell is what you mm-hmm. want to use. Um, he was going to try his gaseous form if he didn't get cut down so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but he did get off a lightning bolt. Um, and he has, you know, some of your pretty generic first and second level spells. Uh, had dark vision cast on himself. But... I it's kind of a weird spot they put him. I understand it story-wise, but he's backed into a corner, and so it makes the fight pretty difficult unless you can get off that black tentacles and just kind of pick people off from the end of the yeah. hallway. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, once he gets 1v1 by somebody, like I said, like Eclipse does 30-ish damage a hit, and maybe she wasn't this fight because she didn't have Bane on, but... It took three hits, I think, and I really wanted to get that lightning bolt off, so I went for it and and hoped that she would miss a twenty five AC, well, but she did not. You, you made the you made the lightning bolts, and Haley's been a little hit or miss on the rolls, so I understand that. I do. Um, I, I, I'm going to read into tactics a little bit here. So let's suppose that his summon did get off. What is the plan there? Just have the summon either you know, control eclipse or, or wail on the people in the tentacles while he can, you know, cast from range and then escape hopefully with that gaseous form. Yeah, realistically he was gonna cast it at the back of the group oh. and have it attack. I forget yeah. who was in the back, probably Freya. Um because I I think he was pretty convinced you were all stuck. He's not really expecting a uh possession intervention yep. Yep. situation. Uh, you know, he, he knew you guys. He he got a pretty decent gauge on, like, what kind of adventurers you were. And I think with that, it's like, well, they probably don't have a freedom of movement between them. Uh, if I can get them and they don't move out of the Black Tentacles, I'm probably good to blast for a couple of rounds. Okay. Is how I played him. So... Um, so that doesn't work, obviously. Uh, I think that that would have been a, a game changer. He was also going to cast a uh, stinking cloud over you guys. Ooh, stuck in the tentacles. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. So he had some good stuff. It's just it's a lot of setup. And if somebody can get to him in any of those rounds, it's it's game over. So, yeah, I, I, I... fun fight wasn't wasn't a boss caliber fight for sure. No, I, th- I think maybe if you add like if you if you add like an add or or a summon that gets in the way, it's a different story. You know, if he's got a little protection, like a meat shield in front of him. Now I think we're starting to talk a little bit something more serious. But 
Uh, it was. I think it was yeah. the, the the right encounter. You know, it was I mean, the symbol of pain. Sucks. Yeah, it's like, really bad for for the next episode too. It's like uh, it's ninety minutes of pain, <laughs> like minus four to attack rolls and skill checks, and I forget what else, but it wasn't good. It, yeah, and attack rolls, skill checks, and I think just general ability checks. It was three things. I think that was the third one. Yeah, and I think at the end of 97, I allow you guys to like rest for 10 minutes and make that make that better. But if that follows you upstairs, it it would not have been a good situation either. No, 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 because you and I know what happens in 98. And that would yeah. be a very bad situation to have a symbol of pain. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add to the Estovian fight or anything about his character? We uh, uh, we got another segment coming up that I'm pretty excited for. Yeah, I think the only other thing I would say is that when when you guys encounter... Uh, dead Silas, Estovian's already on his way out, so he has, like, dimension doors out of there. Uh, it's, it's like, very fortuitous that you checked out his stuff pretty much immediately before that because mm-hmm. he, like, burns all his journals and, like, makes learning stuff a lot more difficult. You then know it's, like, Estovian behind it, but you can't get the information that you're looking for then. Mm-hmm. So pretty tough if you make him paranoid enough to leave before you can get the information you need i absolutely agree that would definitely change up our investigation a lot and i'm glad it didn't but now griff it is time for a new segment i made this up the other night before falling asleep and i think it's gonna be a lot of fun so i call this backup roulette here is the premise this is both of us are going to play. I'm going to play side by side. Imagine you are a player on the HLP and your primary character dies in a random front half of the AP book. You must roll completely randomly for a new character. Randomly sele- select a race, class, profession, and book you died in using dice. Then take a minute or two to talk about what you got and how you would slot it into the story. So let's roll some dice together. How does that sound, Griff? Sounds great. Let me go grab some real quick. Okay, cool. So I'm excited for this. Um, Not sure if this is going to bomb or not, because this is basically purely an improv exercise, uh, as told to you by someone in finance and trade compliance. So (laughs) we'll see. Hey, we've been improving for almost two years. This is true. First, let's find out where we die. Let's roll D3s, all right? I'm going high, medium, low on a D6. Yep, that sounds good. All right, I die in book two. So do I. I got a three, which would correspond to a two if we're going high, medium, low. All right, are you ready to introduce... Ooh, I want, maybe we could even come into the story together. Let's see. Ooh, um, ooh, let's, I like that. Let's do races. We are going to be using the expanded reincarnation table from Pathfinder. This is going to require a D100 roll fun alright this might be interesting what you got yeah it is uh, I got a 92 which means I'm a Tengu oh great hit great hit I rolled a 69 
Oh boy. So I am a human. <laughs> How very That's exciting. How very exciting. I would I would not expect them to put humans as the 16. I guess humans are the race that could have sex with anybody, right? I, I think that I think that's fair. Um, okay, next we need to determine class. Now there are a lot of classes in Pathfinder, and so I have two tables that we're going to pull from. First of all, we need to roll d2s. So just going high low on um, what table you're going to be pulling from. All right, I rolled low, so I will be uh, pulling from table one. I'm high. Oh, fun. Okay. So I will roll a d20. I will as well. Natu- oh boy. Natural one. <laughs> I. <laughs> this is an alpha, uh, slightly alphabetical order, at least on my list, not on yours. Um, yeah, my list is all over the fucking place, man. I, what are you doing? I am a human alchemist. All right, what do you got? Uh, I am a Tengu shaman. Fuck. Somebody might just want to use that character concept. I also threw in profession here, um, just in case we needed a little bit of extra flavor. And yeah, man. it looks like there are 30 different packaged in Pathfinder profession skills. So we have to roll a D30. I don't really know how to do that with dice. So I'm just rolling this one online. Sure. I got a 28. Okay. Which makes me a tanner. Is is wood? Yeah, woodcutter's thirty. Yep. Okay, I'm a tanner. I'm a tengu shaman. That's also a tanner. I oh boy, here we go. I think this is going to be really good. I am a human alchemist who is also a butcher. Oh boy, that slots really well. In yeah. Too. I I mean I I might just go first then. So here are my thoughts. You're investigating the beast and uh, and and all of these different um, these different accusations around him. Honestly, this is so hard just not to be is Doctor Viv. I think I rolled Doctor Viv. <laughs> She's a little more precise than a butcher, but yeah. So um, I think I'm going to steal her archetype. I might just go straight vivisectionist and be a little side story about a, a, a butcher in town who is chopping people up and using their body parts for their alchemical solutions. And maybe, maybe I even have a rivalry with Volensang and Grinds. And so when the party is about to go attack them, they get in touch with me, or at least we just kind of bump, we bump into each other. And then I kind of use the party to... uh, to 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 resolve this this professional um, this professional rivalry, and um, then just end up traveling with them because it was so successful. But I never stopped chopping up people and using them in my alchemical creations. All right, all right. You like have a that. little bit more of a challenge. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be tough. I think uh, my my first instinct is to grab a spirit Mm -hmm. warden shaman for this um for all the birds that died before me uh and i think i think he would slot in well uh he or she i guess i haven't decided would slot in well um 
maybe as a member of the crooked kin uh or or in the in the first um in the first place you investigate in that like uh bog town mm-hmm. and uh as a tanner i think he would you know if, if somebody died in book two early on like say to the phase spider i would definitely be kind of that uh, almost an eclipse-like character as a spirit warden uh very in tune with the spirits but also like twist it in a way that like they still hunt animals and like yes. tan them and so a lot they have like all of these animal spirits around them a thing with the spirit warden is that they're like unsettling to animals and they don't get handle animal as a skill so i think he'd be like he'd be this creepy like crow man that that just wears like all stitched together leathers and um he'd be somewhat useful not as useful in book two like he'd be he'd be good for the party going forward he would have killed in Mm -hmm. uh hergstag because the spirit warden has some abilities versus uh, spirits, so the the wraiths that fought us, and yeah. uh, he can channel like a cleric, which is cool. So uh, I think that's how I'd I'd roll with it. Uh, Tengu fits in well with the crooked kin because it's not a very common race in Ustalav, and I think you can make a bird like decently sideshowy, like like all of the um, crooked kin are. So I think, you know, I, I might take like an Oracle curse. I think shamans get Oracle curses. I'm not positive. Uh, like I might, I might even be like a blind um, Tengu. I feel like that would be really cool. And like, he's like, he, it, it's like a weird dichotomy because you start to like sense the world through like tremor sense and stuff with that curse. Um, but but you know he's a he's a tengu so naturally like flight is a is a thing that you aspire to but if he can only he's like a he's a ground so i think a lot of things for this actually work really well i think the little compare contrast of um being bad with animals and being a tanner is kind of funny because then you have to have people go get hides for you be your hunter and then you can you, you tan their flesh um Additionally, I also like that you're a Tengu as a tanner because you don't have like the regular leathery skin like you would you would tan, right? Like you're not a, you're not a you can tan human flesh <laughs> yeah, or cow flesh or whatever, um, leathery ass bird. So it makes sense that you have a have different opinions of, on leather as uh, other folk. <laughs> it's, a, it's the finest quality because uh, my skin's not as thick as the rest. All right. Well, what'd you think, Griff? Was that a little bit of fun? Yeah, I like that. I, I like the idea of like him being a crow-looking Tengu and like meeting. Uh, oh Aradel no! And shit. <laughs> and, like Aradel's, Aradel's also a spirit. Yeah. You know, I feel like he'd have a very interesting interaction with Eclipse. Yeah, especially with that build. Like more so. Yeah, more so than like a diametrically opposed mm-hmm. the it's like it's kind of like a you know he's in tune with the spirits he'd probably know a lot more about what's going on with her it might actually be some interesting role play there like him helping her figure out what's like you know the whole possession could be a little bit of a mentor to her but 
How could you ever walk away from the whisper? Uh, oh boy, I almost said, how could you ever walk away from the whispering way? How could you ever walk away from the from the from the carnies, man? From the uh, from the crooked kin? Yeah, I guess he's just a book two character. He's just a book two character, and then he leaves. <laughs> That's great. I love. <laughs> and he's out. Well, buddy, I had fun. Um, maybe, maybe next if we do this again, maybe next time I'll get something a little wackier and can really really. Uh, really dive into it but i also do like my character and think it's a very believable character to add into book two um you you want to know something about the listener questions that that we're, we're going to be reading off today griff i call this cleaning out what the closet because these are some old ass questions <laughs> <laughs> uh you gotta gotta give the old ones to uh you and that's me. true so they never knew there would be anyone else on the show when they asked these <laughs> yep so effectively, um, I went to some of our oldest questions that were sitting on the big old word doc that I keep. Um, some of these are damn near almost two years old now. Um, maybe a year and a half is, is, is about where, where our oldest gets. And I think this first one might show its age a little bit. So this comes from Jason. You know him from What Do You Do Pods. You all seem to spend a lot of time together outside of the podcast. Well, by now you know that. What? Yeah. <laughs> when you have a particularly tense cliffhanger at the end of an episode and a multi-day break in recording, what's it like to try and go about life as normal in these moments? So, the reason I picked this question in particular is because of episode 100, and that's what got me going on doing all these old questions. Because we're taking a couple week break before we really hop back into the flow of things, and it's tough. Because we had a very, very big cliffhanger at the end of a hundred. <laughs> Don't give it away, I, Steve. They're they're hoping for resolution. Every fucking episode we have a cliffhanger. They know this. They know <laughs> this already. But I guess my my long and short answer to this is I just stress about it. So, um, so you know, so, so you know when you get into an argument with somebody. And then either later that night when you're taking a shower or the next day you're on a run and you're just thinking about it. You can't stop thinking about it. And you get the perfect response, the perfect comebacks. And you just keep replaying it over and over in your head and you get it perfect. You're like, man, why couldn't I thought of that in the moment? That is the same kind of thought process that goes through my head for an entire week between recordings when we do this. And even longer for evil interludes. I just keep thinking about what we're going up against, where we're at, health-wise, consumables, spell-wise. I'm thinking about, are we close to a level up? Or, um, you know, we're going up against, I know we're going up against four bad guys or one big bad. Um, What's the best strategy for fighting them? What happens if I got taken out in round one? And that kind of stuff. I never stop thinking about it. And I know from... The drives back and forth to Griffin Haley's place with Brooks and Emily and going on runs with those guys, we never stop talking about it either. Like, And if I, if I can add on top of this rather lengthy answer from my end, Griff continuously needles us about this kind of stuff. Uh, I think somebody's going to die. I'm going to get you on this one. It's one of my favorite I'm get you things. On this one. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to amp up the stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, why why end on a cliffhanger if you're not going to amp up the stress all week? I know. I think this has been this has been even more 
of a thing since we've been recording in blocks yeah. with COVID and especially like the huge bank of episodes we had leading like right before uh, everything kind of hit the fan. There's cliffhangers in that that you've had to sit on for weeks instead of just a week. And the thing the thing that I enjoy most is that it, I could always tell like after a particularly juicy cliffhanger, you guys are so fucking ready to play. Like even even when we take the break, but but it almost always comes from Brooks first. He's like, oh, like we could just keep playing, right? <laughs> like let's just do another. And it's like Brooks, it's it's eleven o'clock on a weeknight. We we, we gotta wrap stop, it up. We can't start another episode. Even though he always knew it, he's uh, he's usually pretty psyched to continue playing after those. I I think like. We've had times where I've definitely said, like, okay, is everybody's backup ready? Okay, is, like, this, that, and the other thing ready? Because I'm trying to anticipate some of the cliffhangers I've dropped. And I know when a combat's going to be particularly hard. I mean, sometimes see Lyra, like, I I don't know (laughs) that that a combat's going to be deadly. I don't particularly think it will be, but... um, that's kind of the swingy nature of rolling in a story. But I do try and give those kind of tidbits because I don't want somebody like sitting out for a long time. Yeah. Because I know how much you guys enjoy playing. And even if we had to have somebody sit out for a little bit, I'd prefer it not be like a, you know, three episode long thing where you just got to take a hiatus. Not saying it wouldn't happen. I mean, it's possible that that happens, but it would be a bummer. So I try and keep you guys on your toes and ready. Well, yeah, everybody who's who's tuning in right now should have already listened to episode 97. And that was an episode where Matumbe was two points away from permadeath. Funny thing about 97, it was also the first of three episodes we were recording that day. So... Had I died in 97, we would have a really different and uh, and difficult 98 and 99. You would have got real drunk listening to this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would, have be, I would be plastered in 98, just plastered. But it would be fun just to kind of sit back and let you guys do your thing and talk about how much you used to love Matumbe and have a nice funeral and stuff. I don't know that there'd be a funeral. It's too tense right now. <laughs> too much going on. He's gotta on. wait. Go find his body later. <laughs> yep, that's what he would have wanted. Yeah, throw him to the wolves. He'll be fine. <laughs> throw him to the wolves. Don't bury that grave digger. What a slap in the face! What an absolute slap in the face that would be. All right, but I guess like l- life is normal. We just drink on the weekends. <laughs> we we drink to uh, subdue the tension. Pretty much, yeah. Take the edge off. The party's pretty big on edging. Um, next question comes from uh, Warlickman. It's Warlickman. That's a Digimon. Oh, see, that's that's why I wouldn't know. It's a Digimon. Yeah, yeah. That would okay. That would be a cool topic to discuss on Zone of Truth. All right, calm down. I'll make that judgment. What everyone's favorite board games are? <laughs> Subcategory: What is your favorite board game to drink to? So. A little bit of background before we really 
dove feet first into the podcasting life and we're playing Pathfinder 24-7, it feels like. We played a ton of board games together as a crew. Griff, you got an entire closet of board games. Yeah, I do. It's just we play too many TTRPGs now. They're all collecting dust because we're too busy with other stuff. Um, As for myself, one of those games that you have that always does it for me every single time and we haven't played in so long and I hate that it's the Zombicide Black Plague you know why we haven't played that in so long because the setup on that game takes fucking ever and the teardown takes twice the setup takes forever the teardown takes twice as long and the game itself is long as fuck too it's like three or four hours a pop yeah God, well, that one time we played for like four hours, one scenario, and it's just because the cards were stacked against us. The one thing we needed was like third from the bottom of a deck of 400 yeah, cards. Yeah, it was very punishing. There was like a, a, a stack of cards. I don't know how many were in the deck. Let's just say it's like a regular 52 deck. A, and each one was a different item. And there were like three of the same card, and you needed all three of them. So we had to get all the way through the fucking deck to get the last one. It, I mean, should have taken us an hour or two, but I remember leaving your place at like three or four in the morning. It was so late. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't exactly... I think that wasn't the first game of the night we played. Mm -mm. Oof. Mm -mm. Um, as, As for myself, I also like to play Avalon. It's not really a board game. It's like kind of a... It's a secret Hitler type game, but I think it executed a little bit better. Um... I love it. It's it's a really good party game. It's easy for people to pick up and drink to if uh, if you're new to to you know the the gaming scene. Uh, I'm not going to say my favorite game to drink to yet. I want to get some Griff perspective on some of his favorite board games, and then we'll talk about the favorite drinking game. For sure. I mean, there's a lot. I like um, just because we have some good memories playing it. Um, Nice to the round table is fun. Um, if not just because like we know the rules, I think cosmic encounter is one of my favorite games of all time. That's really good. And we have the expansions for that one to play six people, I think. And so we get the whole crew involved in that one. And it's, because you could take sides and you can like form alliances and stuff and it's not strictly a um, a numbers game you tend to hate the board games that are um, more luck than strategy and this one's definitely more strategy and more table interaction than your average game so Cosmic Encounter is definitely top of my list in, in terms of games to play with you what guys. I also what I love about cosmic encounter I think you hit the nail on the head is that yeah there's a lot of strategy and it is competitive to an extent but it also can be cooperative I I, I remember there was a, a time and and forgive me if the details aren't 100% correct but I think there were like four or five of us playing and everybody won but maybe Brooks like one person lo- like one yeah, person yeah. lost because everybody formed a coalition <laughs> yep, that definitely happened. And and I the the fact that it's not infinitely but like 
very replayable because the sheer amount of alien races you can play as that all play a little bit differently and add different mechanics to the game is really fun and each of the expansions adds like 20 aliens or something so I think we're sitting on a deck of close to 100 different alien species and they mark them all out by difficulty to play so you can say like okay well I don't want a game that's like super driven by these um, these almost game-breaking abilities. They're not quite game-breaking, but they require the rest of the table to kind of work together against that person because they have an overpowered ability. Mm-hmm. It really changes the dynamic every time you play. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It was great. It's great. And we need to do that again soon. That's one I kind of forgot about, but I really liked. So, gotta make it happen. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up, or are we going to talk about the ones you like to drink to? Let's do the ones we like to drink to. Not that I don't like to drink to uh, Cosmic Encounter, because that that's also yeah, fun. <laughs> that's fair. I, I, I think the, the caveat here is actually built drinking games, or at least rules established, not like, you know, just casually drinking. Um, it's, it's rather topical right now, but Pandemic, one, it's just a very well-constructed game. But going back, I mean, to almost as long as I've been in Columbus... Brooks, Emily, and myself have been playing a pandemic drinking game that is punishing, but boy, is it fun. <laughs> like every time there's an outbreak, you need to drink. Um, when you use your character's special move, you have to drink. When the when the virus expands, like uh, we've got a whole list of rules and boy, is it a good time. It's a really good time, especially because that game can get pretty difficult too, and it really explodes. Yeah, I was going to say, do you lose most yeah, of the time? Yeah, we lose most of the time. Uh, <laughs> But um, I just have so many good memories of uh, chains of outbreaks and we're just slamming back to back to back drinks um, or getting these weird synergies where if you're taking a drink for every time your character uses their particular move, um, their 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 special special maneuver or something, there's a there's a particular synergy where you have this like logistics officer that can move another person's character and if the other person's character is like a medic or something they can clear out all the viruses in one city so you can like hop somebody else's character along and you're drinking every time you do that but you're also forcing them to drink because you're putting them in a position where they have to automatically use their ability um it's a good time it's a real good time how about you this it becomes competitive on the drink a little bit yeah yeah, um, I think some of the ones you mentioned are great for drinking games like Avalon and Secret Hitler um, because those are more of a social deduction game so they're a little bit more um, the more loose you are the more fun they are but I'm going to have to go with the Red Dragon oh. and there's a couple reasons I know for that what one is that it's a super easy drinking game because you're making each other drink in this game. Like, the currency is like you you don't want to run out of money or get too drunk, and so you make other players drink, like their characters drink, in the mechanics of the game, and so it's very translatable to uh, you must also drink. So I like that about it, but drinking and playing this game was actually the inception of the Horus boys. And it's because there's a wizard character named Zot in this game with a rabbit named Pookie. 
And we decided, being the nerds that we we are, that we were going to, like, voice the characters we played in the Red Dragon Inn. Steve, you were a part of this. I was section. there. Oh, yeah. And so, and so uh, the voice I came up with for Zot the Wizard is the Horus voice. So he was like, I'd play, like, the Now Now Pookie card and be like, No, no, Pookie. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll always hold a fond, uh, fond place in my memory as the uh, inception of the croon. It was, it really was a treasure to be there for it. I can't even describe it to the listeners at home. It was beautiful. It was before you guys got sick of the Horace voice. You were eating that shit up. That oh, night. I was, I was rolling. <laughs> I couldn't stop. I was laughing so hard, and I'm still into Horace. Horace is great. Can't wait to see him in book four when he eventually shows up. <laughs> Well, yeah. Big bad. Oh, no. Um, Okay, we got two more questions here. This one comes from 10 Lawn Gnomes. You know of as Eric on our Discord. What would a nightmare party look like if you were GMing? Oh, I do GM. Yep. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if this question means, like, GMing carrying crown or in what context or if it's just like in general what is a nightmare party I would probably say just in general uh, so for me as a GM a party that's only focused on combat um, I would hate that I would hate running for that I I mean obviously I run plenty of combats but like that's not really the fun part of TTRPGs for me I know it is for a lot of people but um, people that put no effort into roleplay kind of grind my gears. So I think that's the big one if it was a party of all of that. I think the other thing is a... Like if it's a party of characters that are super min-maxed, that kind of grinds my gears too because A, it creates this... Um, in order to have fun, there's this onus on the GM to beef everything up, which the GM's also already doing a lot of work, and so when you make them rewrite, like, entire swaths of things because your characters are all too powerful, it ends up being just a not a great experience. Uh, not that I don't think, like, optimized characters can be fun. They certainly can. I've made them. But I feel like your player you as a player have a responsibility to kind of like pump the brakes a little bit if you're that kind of character uh branch out to other stuff that your characters maybe not as good at and make it interesting mm-hmm. and make it not so much like a adversarial thing between you and the GM so those are those are my nightmare parties um Honestly, I wouldn't mind a party that was like not that focused on combat and really wanted to RP, but that's just how I like to GM anyway. So <laughs> that that meshes well with me. I I, th- I think those are really good answers. I I 100% agree with both of them. Um, if if you want to just like play a bunch of combats, go do like Tomb of Annihilation or some bullshit like. Go play society. Yeah. That's also society. Yeah, go play society. Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck. You make like you make like uh, five in- inconsequential checks that nobody role plays because there's no uh, there's no table chemistry, <laughs> and then uh, you uh, slug through 
eight combats. No, no, nobody role plays except for like us when we do society and just grind the table to a halt. Right, which you know isn't fun for the people that are there just to play combat the entire time. Yeah, you know? but that's their fault for being losers. Um, <laughs> Got him. On, uh, yeah, I I always hear you know I I haven't done a lot of GMing. I've GM like one total session in my life, so I'm not the best person to answer this question. But I know. Uh, Tim always vents about if uh, if people just like spec super hard into mass summoning. I get I get that. That's got to be kind of frustrating. Um, and and I, I agree with you on on the min maxing thing too. Um, I think that your point that it puts more on the GM to beef up encounters is incredibly valid. But from another point, uh, another point on top of that too, it's just like what what are you players even doing? Like. Are, are you here to play realistic, like fun concepts, or did you really think the coolest thing ever was to come in as a synthonist summoner? Because you sure as fuck didn't come up with that by yourself. Like, right? Like, do you really character? Because all you did was dig through forums to try and figure out what the best thing ever was. Right. And I think it's the only place where that's acceptable is when it's mutually agreed upon. Sure. Like where it's like the GM's like, I'm going to make this super hard, like come with your best character builds. 100% kind of on board. Then it can yep. be very fun. But I think for a long, like a long-term campaign, it, it again, unless for a long-term campaign, the GM's homebrewing or something and is like, yeah, I'm going to make, I'm going to make all of this like super hard. So, you know, nobody come in with suboptimal characters. Yeah, that's fine. And that's really cool to stretch like what the system can do. I think... You know, for the most part, a lot of us came into when Eric ran us through um, Scarwall. Yeah, we came in optimized against the undead, which you know he kind of said to do because he was gonna you know throw advanced templates on and max out everything's hit dice and like that kind of thing. So it worked in that sense, but in another sense where it's like, hey, I want to run Rise of the Rune Lords. You guys want to play? And everybody shows up with these like ridiculous characters and Rise of the Rune Lords already is not a very difficult AP uh, for for the options that have been released by Paizo. If you're playing with all of the content, it's like, well, shit, I gotta, gonna I gotta rewrite half it. this book. <laughs> and, and at that point, like, I don't, I don't even know if that's, if that's even that fun for me as a player. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I like high stakes encounters. And the the Scarwall stuff was a fucking blast. But, like, if the Scarwall stuff were not beefed up and we were just, like, plowing through stuff, like, I I wouldn't care. Like, I would be zoning out when it's not my turn and then it's my turn and I'm, okay, I'm going to roll the hit. Cool. I completely crush him. Okay. I'm going to wait till my next turn. Yep. Right. But we went into that, like, with the concept of, like, hey, A, like, feel free to optimize and B, like, you mm-hmm. hardly ever get to, you know, 15th level in in campaigns. Like, you've all been there once or not ever. Like, let's just play high-level characters and, like, feel out combat for that. And um, in that respect, it was an absolute blast. I think, I think you just got to set Absolutely. the expectation. All right. Got one more question tonight, bud. This one comes from Rusted Chrome. Question for all the players. Sorry, buddy. It's just me and Griff here tonight. What sitcom setting slash theme would you want to play Pathfinder in? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go. I would yeah. like to take basically Parks and Rec, 
and, and turn that into Pathfinder. It, it would be very wholesome. That'd be it, so it, wholesome. It would be great. It would be great. You could you you could you could fight against the Eagleton hordes. I'll, that would be cool. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'll run you through uh, a reskinned two E Kingmaker, where instead of uh, instead of creating a kingdom, you're uh, making Pawnee yes. the best. Someone possible. could play Ron Swanson uh, as the ranger. <laughs> we could have uh, Leslie Note being being the bard. Donna Noble clearly swashbuckler. Like, come on, <laughs> come on. This would be great. <laughs> I think Leslie's a wizard, and then um, either oh boy, well, definitely John Ralphio is a bard. Eh, he might I be think a rogue. You go either way with that one. I think you go. It's, it's hard to I, place I mean, that. Come on, a April Ludgate's the rogue. That's fair, or she could be a necromancer. Hmm. No, that's her buddy. Um, Aaron. Who's her buddy? That <laughs> Aaron actually yes. is his name, so it's perfect. Perfect. Aaron Vrood. Perfect. <laughs> Casting done. Uh, Rob Lowe's a paladin. Is Rob Lowe, a pa Rob Lowe is a monk. You think so? Yeah, he's like, you oh. know, purity yeah. body. I think, I think Andy could either be the big dumb barbarian, big dumb fighter, or big dumb paladin. Yeah. I, could, I, I, would, I would throw Andy into paladin, because he does have like an effortless charisma, too. Yeah, like and he, like he has a good streak. Like, yeah, he does. He does good for the sake of doing good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy. Yep, that's where I want it, to play. Shit, shit writes itself, man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what What would you put, Jerry? Oh commoner? boy. Uh, yeah, Jerry's probably a commoner class. I mean, who's morph shifter? <laughs> who's morph shifter? Got him. Poor Jerry. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really know where where Jerry fits in. Um, Shifter seems right. <laughs> I'd love if Jerry was a vigilante. And that kind of makes sense. He has like two personas, right? His work persona and his at home persona. Hold up, Griff. Ron Swanson took a dip in vigilante for Duke Silver. For Duke Silver, yeah. <laughs> he he's a ranger with. Two art. Well, if we're doing two e, he's got the he's got the bard dedication, the dedication. and the vigilante dedication. We solved it. <laughs> that's that's great. Absolutely. All right, bud. Where do you want to play? Um, where do I think you guys would shine as players? I think uh, always sunny. Well, yeah. I feel like you guys all you guys all um, would excel at playing those. Not necessarily uh, moral characters. You do a great mm -hmm. job in the evil interludes, so, so I would, um, I'd say, take Kingmaker, theme it as Parks and Rec, take Hell's Vengeance, theme it as Always Sunny. Oh my God, Hell's Vengeance, Always Sunny. Like every episode you know is is the gang does. <laughs> My God! The gang puts gritty's, down a power. Gritty's got to be a boss. <laughs> the gritty's got to be a boss. Oh yeah, somewhere. yeah. Gritty will be a boss. Oh boy, yeah. You're you're uh, you're fighting for the morality of Philadelphia. <laughs> Dude, and just like in 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 Carrying Crown, 
we have, or uh, rather on the HLP, we have our, like, in the past evil interludes. Find out how the gang cracks the Liberty Bell. That's its own, e that's its own <laughs> evil interlude right there. Interlude. The gang cracks the Liberty Bell. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I think... Uh, it's a deeper cut. You know, you... you there's a lot of I feel like a lot of these characters play well into the vigilante thing like um, like Charlie and Green Man mm, I like that yeah yeah um, I don't know what I don't know what D would be Frank is uh, Frank's like an alch D might, alchemist or something D, D might also be the shifter to get those bird features yeah yeah uh I just feel like he he makes something out of nothing, and he always has like the money, or or you know he he's got he's got an out, and I feel like that's an alchemisty thing. Like he makes shit on the fly. Yep. Dennis is I, the yeah. serial killer vigilante. <laughs> Man, a lot of vigilantes. <laughs> a lot of vigilantes. Tonight. That yeah. Uh, no, but I guess he needs his tools. He does need his tools. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess. Mac is probably Mac, like, just like a fighter or something. Yeah, a fighter or barbarian. A lot of repressed rage. Actually, yep. I could see. I mean, Dennis is too smart for it, but I could see Dennis being a good like barbarian slash blood rager because when he gets worked up, it's so fucking ridiculous. Oh, uh, he cuts loose. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like Charlie's definitely a rogue. Yeah, yeah. What do you cast the twins as? Oh boy, uh, fucking two rat rat folk slayers having that pack combat. The pack. They occupy the same square, dealing sneak attack mm -hmm. damage. Chugging milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gale the snail is a uh, vermin druid with the snail animal cam oh. companion. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> these guys, these guys, just you know, they write themselves right into classes. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, so uh, uh, you guys, you guys have been wondering what content we're gonna put behind the paywall. <laughs> guys have figured it out by now. Marine, it's the Parks and Rec, and uh, and always sunny campaigns. Dude, Marine Ponderosa has to be either a druid or a shifter, and I think a shifter because when she when she goes full on cat. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. We'll have a, we'll have a, the gang moves to the suburbs moment. It'll be great. <laughs> I love that episode. Or where Mac and Dennis move to the suburbs. Yep. <laughs> yep. So good. All right, Griff. I think that probably about does it for tonight. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, squeezed a little bit more out of that last one than I was expecting. I loved it. Certainly. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of good stuff there. And honestly, we could keep going. Like, I could just cast community right now or hop into the office or something. But we don't, we don't have time for that nonsense. Ain't nobody got time for that. Nobody has time for it. Maybe anything. the listeners uh, maybe do. Maybe on another episode. Right, right in, uh, <laughs> after you listen to this one, write in what... Uh, what sitcom you'd like to play a TTRPG in and cast the main characters. I'm curious to see yes. different people's take on yes. it. Yes. Throw that up in our Discord, and if you're getting at us on Twitter, use the hashtag uh, hashtag Paizo Sitcom Surprise. 
<laughs> you just had to add surprise at the end. <laughs> yep. So when they see that trending, they'll be a little concerned. When Paizo sees that trending, yeah, I'm sure it'll trend for him. Oh, it's going to trend super hard. Paizo super, uh, secret surprise. Paizo sitcom surprise. That's the one. Yep. All right. We figured it out. It's been good, but it's time to shut it down. Griff, anything you want to say to the fans back at home? The only thing I want to say is finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Actually, we'll see you after episode 100. Woo, that's right. Later. Later.